Welcome back to another episode of the Coach's Quarter Podcast. In today's show, we, we like cover so many wide topics, and I think this one I'm really excited about because I don't know if we've covered this topic exactly in the way we want to cover it, but it's really to do with live events, connecting, and I know for myself, like we launched a live event and then an online event, and it was such a headache to do it, and I probably made tons of wrong decisions, and then I'm going through you guys' blog today. And every question that I had that caused me so much pain, I just, you guys answer on your blog. So today we're talking to Jonathan Kazarian, a CEO and co-founder of Excel Events. How you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude. Uh, tell, tell us a little bit about Excel Events. What is it? What's it about? What's the mission? How's it changed in the world? Yeah, absolutely. So at the end of the day, the mission is bringing people together. Bringing people together and helping event organizers communicate content in any way they need to. Um, and, you know, obviously very relevant topic right now, but um, this entire space has been super interesting and it's basically ex accelerated the event industry's reach towards virtual events. We're probably 10 years ahead of where we would have been otherwise. And there's so many benefits of that for, for marketers, for society, for the planet reducing unnecessary travel. So it's a, it's a great place and we're really excited about uh, everything that we're bringing forward. And, and you started that platform or that company six years ago, unless there's maybe a year that I'm off date, but is it about six years? About six years. Cool. And what, what inspired you? This I love this question because sometimes I get the most amazing answers, but what inspired Excel events or getting into this space? Yeah. Um, so we didn't initially get directly into the virtual event space the way we are. Actually, the backstory, my buddy Zach and I had been throwing these beach parties on, uh, on Cape Cod in Massachusetts, clam bakes and pig roast, really fun events. And at the end of one of those weekends, I got some unfortunate news about a, a family member who, um, who was diagnosed with cancer at the age of 17 and wanted to do something for her. And I you know, thought about running the marathon, but realized that it was half decent at drawing a crowd and could raise way more money by bringing people together. So. Got back to Boston, went to the aquarium and put my credit card down. Had to sell 185 tickets that first year to break even and we ended up selling 840 and raised about 65 grand for Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. But going into that first event, we were looking for a solution to facilitate the raffle and the auction virtually and there was just nothing affordable out there. So having a bit of a tech background, worked with another friend and we threw together this lightweight text message based system and it just, it worked. It worked really well. We got great feedback from the attendees, from the organization we put the event on. And we decided we could take that and build a business around providing that as a more affordable alternative to other groups like ourselves who are looking to raise money for a good cause, something that we're passionate about. So I did that for about 18 months and realized that the space, it was really, you know, it was great to help these organizations, but it wasn't that big of a market. And the feedback we were getting from these organizations was that they wanted a full service solution. They wanted ticketing and payment processing to be part of it. So then we began to focus more on the ticketing side of the business. And as that built out, we moved more into the for-profit space of so festivals and conferences and trade shows. And then February 2020 came. And I just, you know, I remember getting alert after alert on my phone about these global conferences getting shut down and looking at mm. our ticketing revenue just dropping and then going negative because of refunds. And we had already been working on some functionality for the hybrid space. Again, going back to the idea of sustainability and companies having shrinking budgets for uh, elective travel, 
uh, and a greater focus on, on sustainability, as mentioned. So uh, as a result of that, we just decided let's go all in on virtual. Worst case scenario, we have a better hybrid solution. Best case scenario, from a business perspective, we're leading the, the charge on uh, on virtual events. And we did that. Uh, I got to give credit to the engineering team for just buckling down and pivoting and getting it done really, really quickly. And we were able to, to basically lead the pack there. So cool. So it's a all-in-one from ticketing to event to video to streaming to rooms to just trying to bring it all together, make it all one platform, um, all-in-one. All-in-one, yeah. You don't need to buckle different tools together. Everything you need is, is under our hood. So for a, a coach or someone who's trying to hold an event and maybe is using something, I mean, we use Zoom, clunky, and it's sort of like there's a lot of little pieces in place that you have to put outside. You would bring all that together. Here you go, right from, I'm guessing, the landing page or the order form all the way down to the delivery of it, the meeting of it, the emails, maybe. I don't know if I'm overextending that or is it all in one? It's all in one. So cool. Yeah. A great example of a, of a coaching event, the Tom Ferry Success Summit was an event that was held on the platforms. This is a huge event for the real estate space. And they took advantage of all the different aspects of the platform, giving people the opportunity to network in addition to all the content they were consuming. So cool, so cool. So I'm guessing, so you're getting into this, uh, it looks like Excel events went through a few evolutions. You guys are kind of finding your stride right now. Um, and I'm sure you got tons of plans to keep expanding and doing all this stuff. Over six years, um, the one thing I got, I'm always trying to unpack is your mission was started from a pretty powerful place, like a big event, someone was sick, you wanted to raise money, you wanted to create this thing, and then you were able to buckle down and over the next six years, you've been building this thing. My question to you is entering that space, I'm sure there was, I don't know, the big Goliaths of the space. I don't know, I'm thinking like, I guess Ticketmaster is like, I mean, or that, what's that ticketing thing? Anyway, there's like a few big, is it Ticketmaster? No. It's Ticketmaster and Eventbrite, the Eventbrite, yeah. And then you've got, you've got like the Zoom, which is doing the video platform, but these big Goliaths, and you guys are entering the space trying to bring it all together. And I know you mentioned, and I think I read it on the website too. You use some fairly um, creative solutions to marketing. I don't know. You guys probably didn't have millions of dollars. You said you were self-funded. You're doing your thing. What were some of those creative solutions? Because, and why I bring this up, I used to say this every week, my business is different. Finally, like business coaches, they were just slapping me upside the head being like, your business is not different. It's the exact same. Stop saying that. It's not true. And now I don't say that. And when I hear someone saying it, I slap them being like, it's it's the exact same thing. It's not different. And I used to be like, it's so competitive. No one gets it, this, that. Like there, I was in personal training, thousands of personal trainers. I can't stand out. And I thought I needed a bunch of money to like get past all the noise in the market. And I realized it'd be completely untrue and I got really creative with how to market. And it sounds like you guys are the same thing. Can we walk through a few things that you did that really stood out or is it throwing a whole bunch of stuff at the wall, seeing what sticks and then just getting through it? Yeah, uh, I think the most, the most effective thing we did is persistence. It's the channels that we buckled down on, content creation being the number one just being so consistent with it that we started to build authority as a domain, as a brand, and as a, a thought leader in the space that it kept people coming back. And oh. that has amplifying effects. What was the, um, I love that, what was the main channel you guys were using? Was it video? No, it was actually written. Okay, cool. Yeah, and a lot of uh, co-marketing with other brands as well. 
we, you know, we're starting to dabble more into the video side of things. Uh, we hosted a great webinar yesterday and, and a lot more of that to come. Um, we are also working on a lot of things on the community side because the best the best marketers are our customers. Right. So cool. And you kind of mentioned that um, one of your big key, uh, if you had to put like a, a little key to success, was your attention to your clients or your customers, the experience really, I guess, over delivering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when, you know, the first couple of years, it was it was 24-7 support and it was just us doing it. It was no matter where I was, like being on the highway and getting an alert on my phone and pulling into the breakdown lane to, to respond. Like no matter what, we made sure we were there. And when it comes to events, like it, it's not a CRM, it's not an email marketing platform where the customer is going to come back the next day. They've been, they've been working for months to pull off this event. Yeah. Things go perfectly. They have a question. We need to be there for them. And having that focus and, understanding of the event space and the fact that everything boils down to a couple of hours i think uh, i think that's been very much appreciated by our customers so cool so cool and so with the so you guys you guys did i believe when i was reading your stuff you also did offline events back in the day correct so yeah you were setting them up i mean i know a lot of the blog posts as i was going through it was like picking the venue setting up optimal seating like it was very um down to the little details of how to make an event go flawless so with what's going on now and people going from like I've been in so many in-person events from masterminds to big to small. So I was always taking notes and I'm like, when I do my own, I'm going to do all this and not do this. And I had it figured out sort of and there's always more to figure out. And then when we moved online, it was sort of like I wasn't happy with it. And I was like, ah, like it just, I just I didn't it wasn't the same. And I did the mistake of trying to figure it out myself, of course, if I would have had your resources, I probably could have pulled it off better. So for coaches who are trying to go or anyone who's maybe used to doing in-person events, whether that's lead gen events or, or upsell events or just events where you're just building a brand in your town or just trying to get the word out, how can they replicate that online? Let's just say something like using your platform. What are like some yeah. of those key mm, things that we can bring that energy to that level where I'm sure people want it? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it goes into the planning, right? The, the attention to detail, the design, just making sure that everything is polished. I mean, it's you know, it's like it's like anything. You're not going to go into the game if you don't practice properly. And, and making sure that you're ready to go uh, goes a long way. Working with a video producer if you need to to make sure that the output is, is excellent. Um, and then also making sure that you're facilitating other opportunities beyond just what you're presenting as content. So bringing in the right partners as sponsors who are also you know, it's not just paying to have their logo there, but they're actually participating and sharing content and information. And then also setting up those networking opportunities. I mean, the difference between a webinar and an event is is the people, the interaction, right? You yeah. can watch the recording of a webinar. Yes. Yeah, you miss out on the chat. That's one component of it. But an event is something that you actually are participating in actively. And it's, it's a mix of all these different experiences. Right. So I think you put everything in that lens when you're thinking about designing your event. Well, what was I, I mean, I think this is like a global thing that probably everyone paid attention to, at least I did, but I know Tony did his, um, I don't know what they're called, his events are called, but I remember just seeing a video of his kind of setup they created and he was in this room and like, you know, do you, you know what I'm talking about? And like every little face on the screen, and I was like, this looks like there's tens of thousands of people and he was able to somehow probably interact individually like he loves to do, like he could pick someone and actually talk with them and I'm sure he had, fairly heavy resources and able to do this. 
But what I found was, let's say in a Zoom setting versus a personal setting, I, you can almost like feel when someone has like a question or when you feel that uncomfort or when you feel like you know that I'm going to pick that person because I think we can have a breakthrough right here. So let me just pick this person to chat with because I know what's going on. Online, I was finding that was missing-ish and I'm sure it was just execution and practice. But what would you say to that? Because I know there's a chat option and we encourage people like, hey, send in a chat if you have a question. But there's like that feel. What, what, what have you guys done to kind of problem solve that, if anything, or if this is just a skill that you develop over time? Or is there some technology yeah. that can help us? It's a mix. Technology can certainly help. There's, um, there's a big aspect that goes into reading the room. Comedy is a great example of that. Uh, coaching is another great example of that. Using emojis or uh, reactions on live video is a good way for the audience to share their feelings, whether that be uh, you know, a confused face if they're confused, confused, excited, or whatever else it might be. It's yeah, also yeah, the yeah. chat and using polls and other ways to engage the audience. But um, as a presenter, it certainly is a challenge. And it definitely, you know, people are getting a lot better at it, but it definitely adds a learning curve. And there are a lot of ways that, you know, you can, you can have a subset of people who you are looking at and you're using that smaller group as a, a way to monitor. This is things that you can do at home. You know, obviously Tony's setup was, was different where he had a couple thousand faces in front of him, but not everybody has a 120 foot uh, wall of, of screen in front of them. So there are ways that you can pipe in your, your audience and make sure that you are there to read their faces and, uh, and social cues. Cool. And there's uh, quite a few things that we've got in the works right now that I can't get into in too much depth, but um, it's very much an opportunity. Okay, so just to piggyback off a little bit, because I know, I mean, Tony, I'm sure had tons of resources, 120 foot wall, and probably people helping pick stuff out. I was watching that and I'm like, that's what I need. Like, that's what I need. So I can zero in and and just make this impact. And I started visualizing. I'm like, man, like an event of a hundred people. And I remember even when we were thinking of this online event, I'm like, hey, like I don't know if we could take more than twenty people. I don't know how I can individually make sure that people felt heard, felt seen, and felt served. Um, after holding it, I was like, no, we could do more than twenty. But you see. How big was the event? Or I guess you maybe can't share specific details on people's events, but like I'm sure people are holding events with 500, 1,000, 1,000 plus events. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we have, we have events in the 5,000 person plus range every day. Yeah, so I guess we're really talking about a spectrum of intimate, you know, workshops where we, I guess we could call it an event, and then you're holding 1,000, 10,000 concert style events where people are there to entertain or consume and then i guess we're getting down to the minute of those kind of workshops where you're hands-on working with people which i know is a really big interest for the people we work with like they hold a lot of those yeah well it's, i mean it's a mixed bag a lot of those larger events are conferences or they are coaching events and even within those events there's subsets yeah. of of workshops and some of those events where there is uh a, a tony style brand behind the overarching event but he has coaches who work with him. They're leading those breakout sessions. They're leading those workshops, which has the more intimate aspect. But as an attendee, you're still getting that that presentation from uh, from that 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 big name person. Cool, cool. So there's little subset, little rooms that people can join that are branched from the main room, so they can join yeah. rooms, breakthrough sessions, breakout sessions, whatever. Cool, 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 cool. 
Coming back to the, I have this circled because I wanted to come back around to it. I feel like there's a little more juice we can pull out because it, it is a competitive market. And I feel like you need to reach quite a few people and build that trust because like you said, this isn't just some little platform. Like people put in 10, 20, 50, $100,000, maybe more to get all those people, fill up the seats, fill up the events, and they're trusting the platform, which is Excel events to deliver for them. And so it's not just something you can rip up something really quick and get a, a client, a customer. It's a relation. It sounds like you guys are building solid relationships to make this thing happen. Well, from a, a barrier to entry perspective, the cost to use the platform is, is far less than that. You can use yeah. the platform for 500 bucks, yeah. but you have to go into it with the mindset of making your event a success. Yeah. And you have to commit the energy and the effort to do that. The technology is there. It's, you know, everything you need from the technology front, we take care of. But you have to, I mean, you have to know what you want to say on stage, right? Totally and you don't have to be on stage, but you have to go into it ready to make sure that you're providing valuable content as, as the, the coach, as the, as the speaker, as the person hosting the event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. I know a lot of, when I was going through, because you guys said your main content platform is your blog, correct? And now it you is right. Up to video. Yeah. And yeah. you've been consistent with that for over the five, six year period. Yeah. I really oh. hope that people hear that. I think we're just celebrating our... 200th episode which was three years it was a year and a half of podcasting that i didn't plan on doing anything with it now it's our main platform for driving traffic like all of our traffic most of our clients come from the podcast but it was like a year and a half where it was like i just love doing it and so i i was like i'm gonna do this for 10 years no matter what youtube i think we're over a thousand videos in and then i just see people do like three weeks of content and then they're like nobody is buying anything so i this doesn't work maybe it's I need Facebook ads or I need, I need JVs or I need, I'm just like, I, I just love how six years of consistency and I'm sure there's an element. I think people are always trying to track. They're like, I want to know everything I'm doing is creating an ROI. And you tell me if I'm wrong in this thinking, but there are many things in my business that I actually, I can't track, but I just know they work. I feel like it's a mixture and what it all is put together. It works. But I can't literally be like, hey, this video made me X amount of dollars. I can't. I can track data for traffic and like clicks, but that's about it. If we started, well, we, you know, we set up all the tracking. We looked at it. But if we made decisions six years ago based on viewership of the content we were putting out there, based on page traffic or any of that, we would have given up six years ago. Yeah. You have to hit a critical mass before you can even begin to start to hone in and, and optimize that type of information yeah. at the beginning. Like you just gotta, you just gotta commit and do it and keep doing it. And, and it just takes time and diligence and getting better and getting feedback and seeing what's working. And I mean, that same thing goes to, to, from you know our perspective, building this software product, we're just consistently getting feedback from our customers. Like we, our average response time on chat is I think like 70 seconds right now for, mm. for the response. And, that's our, you know, to us, that's in addition to the content, the biggest piece of it is the customers and continuing to build and learn from them and aggregating that information and sharing it. I think the, the two biggest thing I got from you so far was this whole idea of customer love because it sounds like, well, I mean, I think everyone's trying to make it perfect, but I don't think Excel events or anything you did was probably perfect. You were just like, let's do this. Let's try to figure it out and let's get feedback and actually listen to what people need because that's, well, that's the market. That's, that's, that's. That's the only way we're going to make money is solving these problems. So it sounds like you guys have doubled down on that, which is probably a big key for your success. I'm always trying to break this down. And the other one is obviously persistent, consistent content 
sharing the message, putting the word out there, probably these podcasts, the blogs, and all your other guys' avenues of just getting the word out over and over and over. Absolutely. So for someone starting, because I know there's a few of y'all listening, and I, I generally will give that cookie cutter, like you've just got to stay consistent with it and just listen to Einstein and don't do the same thing over and over for too long. Like get feedback. That's it. Like that's, that's the secret sauce. You can PayPal me a hundred bucks for that if you want, but that is literally, that's the most secret I can give you. But it sounds like for over six years, consistent, focusing on your clients, building the product, making it better and better, never being satisfied with it, which you even just mentioned 10 minutes ago, we've got something coming that we're really excited for that our customers love. You couldn't mention it, but there's something happening. Over those six years, if you're willing to share this, because I think people think like, Jonathan, it must have just been easy. Like you must've just been putting stuff out there and next thing you know, you have this massive company that's, you know, serving these massive events and life must be gravy and you're, you're partying in Ibiza or whatever you do. So was it easy? Uh, no, far from it. Far from it. It's a lot of, it's, it's, it's almost, you know, one or 2am every night. It's not like, you know, not to sound like a complete like hard or something, but it really is like persistence and hard work and that's all that it comes down to and it's I think a lot of it also is just my mentality has never changed on it like we have to continue to build we have to build the team and the product and the experience that we're creating for everyone nothing nothing changes from that I mean my responsibilities on a day-to-day basis change a little bit I'm more like less customer facing than I than I used to be but it's the same thing working with the rest of the team. So, um, yeah, it's certainly a battle. It's a grind and it doesn't stop. And, and I have a question for you on that one then. So as you slowly switch roles, more of a CEO position, probably less customer facing, more trying to map out the future, the vision, align the team and all that kind of fun stuff. Um, and this is just from experience. So I'm curious on your take on this because I used to deal with clients every single day and I got direct feedback. And I was reminded every single day from direct feedback, uh, the impact I was making, the changes I was making. Over the years, I had to like, we literally just had a meeting about this a few days ago, was like, I need more feedback on the impact we're making because I never want to lose touch of that. And the months that I did where I was so focused on where we're going, what are we doing? I like, I remember just question, like, why are we doing this? Like the revenue's coming in, the money's coming in, but why are we, why am I doing this? Like it, it almost felt, I don't know if you've gone through this, it felt, um, yeah, I don't know, I was kind of bored. And then one of our coaches was just like, listen, you've got to, now I do client success interviews once a week and that keeps me like, oh yeah, okay. But like, that's amazing. I didn't even know that this is the impact that we're having at some capacity. Did you go through that as you switched roles? Cause that's really interesting to me. I've never, I've never fully taken a step away from the customer side of things. I spend at least an hour a day working with customers in some capacity. Cool. Uh, even if it's just the, the, the chat where I'm not even getting on the phone, but I'm able to have a lot of conversations with a lot of different customers. I, I have a, a one monitor that is up all day of just our chat with our customers. Uh, and then another one, which you know we use Slack quite heavily, and we have a bunch of channels in Slack, and one of them we call customer wins. And anytime we get cool. great feedback from the customer, we post it to the channel for the whole team to see. And you know, that gets, every hour there's another update in that. And it just, I think that keeps me going quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, that's huge, I love that. And I just get this sense from you this um like this drive i don't know it just just even the way you talk like that's never changed this is what we're doing committed to success moving forward 
Um, was that learned or was it passed down by your family? Or did that happen at some point? Like the spark ignited to be like, because me, I used to smoke weed, dude. And I was like, I was useless. And then one day I just woke up being like, I need to do something. And I just got heavily obsessed. And it's just been growth for seven years. Like constant obsession. If I wake up past 5 or 5.30 a.m., I consider that sleeping in and a failure. And I used to sleep until 10 being like, dude, it's it's all good. It's all good. Yeah, it's, I mean, I guess I'm third generation entrepreneur. So yeah, um, it certainly got passed down. Like seeing my dad build his business coming home from school every day, like watching that, I cool. think it just kind of baked into me. So cool. So cool. You have anything to, I know this may not be your complete area of expertise, but anyone listening who maybe that wasn't passed down. Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur too, so I'm sure the seeds were sown, but I just didn't get ignited until I was 25 or so. Like, I just didn't know what I wanted to do, so I didn't really do anything um, except work really hard and spend all my money on stupid stuff. But someone listening who, because I get this sometimes, I'm, just, I'm, I'm sometimes disconnected. I'm like, dude, just wake up earlier, put in the work, put in the time, find your purpose, understand your why, and, and quit bitching about it in a way. Just, like, just, just do it. Just do it. It'll work out. Stay consistent. But it, it's like they, it, doesn't, it doesn't register. And so I have to find different ways of getting it through and just kind of style flexing. But any advice for someone who I can, I can sense your drive just in the voice, just in the way you speak and clear, concise, done. Someone who would like to possess that, uh, where, like what, what's up? For me, I think it probably started like freshman and sophomore year of high school. I had like a D plus average GPA. And by senior year, it was A minus, something like that. And at some point, like in that in that mix, I got really into sports and working out. And it's something where like you see the consistency of the results pay off pretty quickly. And I think seeing that I could make that impact on myself really helped to, to change my mindset. And that's just been consistent and carried through the rest of what I've done. It's it's so funny because that is like my exact story is what got me into it was I started working out and I went from 180 to about 220 pounds over maybe a year. And it was yeah. every day in the gym twice. I had my little protein container. I had everything just lined up. Every day was accounted for. And one day I was like, dude, if I can do this, what else can I do? And that started that like discipline. And I think for a lot of people, it was the fitness like mastering that, that led them into, okay, well, what can I do with my mind? What can I do with this? What can I do with money? Like, can I make an extra dollar a day and multiply that to a thousand dollars a day? And ten, like, that's where it started for me too. So I guess maybe the lesson from that is it may not be fitness for someone, but I think when you accomplish something, if you don't know what to do with your life, like I didn't, luckily I found fitness, like accomplish something, start building something and realize that if you can do that, what else can you do? And maybe make it a game. And don't give up after three weeks and monitor it. And you're going to start to see the compounding results, especially yeah. when it comes to money. What are some of the key metrics you guys track when it comes to, I'm sure that's developed over the years, but you know, I mean, in the early days I would just track like leads and sales and that was it. And now that, that tracking has expanded, I'm sure for you guys, that's much bigger with a, with a way bigger organization. What are some of the key metrics that you, um, you want to see? Yeah. Uh, so net promoter score is a big one looking at, uh, you know, how many advocates we're building, 
the lead volume that we have coming in, but not just the lead volume from our marketing efforts, the lead volume of people who are attending an event on the platform who then reach out to us because they want to host their own event. Mm. That in itself is the best testament that the event that they were just at was successful. Uh, so that's that's a big part of it. Um, the repeat rate, who comes back, is huge. I guess that's really good. And uh, yeah, I mean, and who's posting great reviews and comments about us online? I mean, any anyone who we can turn into an advocate, we're proud of that. Cool. So cool. I, I just want everyone to know that I, I, I will always share when I'm affiliate for absolutely anything. And in this instance, I'm not. Um, but just from talking to you, I believe that you're, um, uh, you guys have a, um, I'm dropping the word here, but you guys have a promo person or a media outreach person. Anyways, I stumbled across your platform quite recently read it all, went through your blog, and I was like, oh, these guys deliver so much value. And just from talking to you, I'm just like, dude, you guys are very client, customer-facing. Um, you want to serve your clients. I have not played with the platform, and I have not used the platform, but it's something I'm going to research. But for anyone who's listening, I'm not an affiliate, but just I think from talking to you for half hour, I'm just like, damn, this company actually cares. And it's an all-in-one platform. So if people want to learn more about it, where would they find that? And... And what's the best way for them to start? Like if these coaches, they want to do a small workshop or a big event, or they're trying to, they want to connect with a bunch of people all at once and stop doing this one-on-one -on -one type thing. Uh, where would they go? What would they do? Yeah, definitely. I mean, dead on. Like events are about creating experiences, right? That experience starts with the way that we work with the event organizers, and that carries through to everything else. So, um, yeah, if people are looking to host their own event, come on over to our website, excelevents.com. Uh, there's a little chat widget in the bottom right corner of the page. There's a real person there, 24-7. Introduce yourself, say hi, and we'll be happy to help you out. So cool, so cool. Uh, we'll leave all the links below and, and absolutely everything below. I always ask this question of every single human being that's on here. I don't know your age. I would think, like, dude, you look so young, so I don't know your age. But if you could go back, I think you said in college you made that, or in uh, high school or college you made that flip into yeah. fitness uh, how old were you then when you kind of went like from D minus to A minus or A plus and started? Yeah, I guess I was probably like 16. I'm 30 now. 16, 30 now. So 14 years. You could go back to your 16, 17 self or maybe a 30 minus 6 would be 34-year-old self or 24-year-old self when you were thinking of starting this thing. One nugget that could have avoided you a lot of pain or just made the journey slightly easier if easy is what you want it's probably not but one little nugget a belief that you would have instilled and you would have without question believed that belief without having to get hit in the head enough to start believing it what would that be if you're building a business pick a big enough market we probably wasted a couple of years having picked too small of a market but i could go on and on with this topic I think I think it's a topic really worth doing. Maybe we'll get one more from you. So you said the big market, uh, because you guys, if my memory serves me right, you went into uh, nonprofit or fundraiser type uh, yeah. things at first. It just wasn't a big enough market to get you guys paid, so you can continue your mission. Right, but now we have the opportunity, having broadened our market to to grow the business and provide far more value to the nonprofit organizations that we were working with, because we have so many more resources available to us to build out that platform. I love that so much, dude. Like, yeah. Part of our business today, but it is something that we're still so passionate about because it's what founded the business. I, I love that. I remember, I because coaches sometimes are so, 
They just want to help and serve, and they're willing to sacrifice their worth and how people treat them and what they get charged because they just want to help. And I, I remember that very clearly. And then I had a coach who was like, you're never going to do that again. You are going to charge exactly what you're worth, and you're going to keep increasing that. And then with all the resources you have, you'll create podcasts one day and YouTube videos that people will get served. You may never hear from them, and you may never get paid, but now you can have a larger impact. And I was like... That actually makes sense. I'll charge a lot of money and I'll work with just a few people and then I'll serve thousands of people or tens of thousands through my stuff. And it just made sense to me at that moment. And it gave me the balls to just, I'm going to charge, like I'm going to charge a lot, which back then was probably like two or three grand, but I thought that was a lot. I'm just going to, I'm going to go for it. And people paid me. They didn't have a problem doing it. And I had money, so I was happy. And then I was able to be enthusiastic and get creative and actually find ways to help people and not get paid for it. I wish somebody told me that seven years ago. Yeah, that's huge. That is huge. I think we can actually clip that into the main thing because I think that's, um, especially for coaches, when I really think about it, their hearts are so big, which is so beautiful. But um, those hearts get trampled upon uh, too many times and then they quit. So cool. Jonathan, um, I'll leave all the links below. Really appreciate your time and appreciate you yeah. sharing your knowledge. And I'm excited for what's to come. We're going to give that platform a spin. Again, I want to say that um, there's no affiliation or I don't get paid for it. And in full transparency, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm excited to get my fingers on it, hands on it, and see what it's all about. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me on. Thanks, brother. Thank you so much. All right, so as always, I just want to finish off the episode with saying thank you for listening. These episodes are 100% free and they're dedicated to helping you build your coaching business because there are clients out there just waiting for you to reach them. They're waiting for you to give them a result. So do not give up on your dream and never give up on your business. Again, these episodes are 100% free. All I ask in return is that you give it a thumbs up, you give it a like, you give it a little bit of love in the comments or the reviews, and you share it with one or two coaches who you know could use help building their coaching businesses. That's it. I'm done. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode.